0: I want to tell you tonight, as we begin this series, uh, Gray Matters, about two friends. Two friends who grew up in the church. Two friends who grew up in evangelical churches. Churches where the Bible was taught, where purity of life was emphasized. Graduated from high school, and they went off to Christian colleges. One of those guys, I'll call him Lyle, was a pious guy. He carried his Bible to church and to a lot of other places throughout the week. He saw no value in secular music or TV or movies. Most people kind of hoped that Lyle wouldn't show up at parties because he was a bit of a wet blanket at parties. He had never in his life sipped fermented beverages. And he certainly frowned on those who did. Nice enough guy, though. Actually, a very nice guy. But not at all connected to culture. Unless it was uh, culture you could purchase at the local Christian bookstore. The other friend was named Lincoln. Similar to Lyle, he had grown up in church, an evangelical church. He embraced everything they said and taught him. But everything changed for Lincoln when he went to Christian college. And he was introduced to secular music. And then he found out that a lot of the students, when class was over, were going over to the local pub to discuss the lectures of the day. And he discovered fermented beverages. The longer he was exposed to that stuff uh, the more he regarded the fears of all the bad stuff he'd been raised with as ludicrous. And he threw away his Christian CDs and he really got bold and started smoking. especially liked lighting up a cigarette in front of evangelicals who were really offended by it. He got a great kick out of that. Lyle and Lincoln. Two made-up friends, but not really made up. They're just given names from my observations of a group of guys I (laughs) grew up with. And they reflect, really, what's going on in local churches in the Western world. Local churches, especially in the Western world. Where some people do some things that other people think nobody should be doing and it manifests itself in all kinds of different ways. It's not a new problem. It's not a new problem. It's as old as the book, and I'm sure uh, most of you are aware of that. Romans chapter 14 and verse number two. Romans chapter 14 and verse number two. Tensions between legalism and licentiousness. One person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Romans chapter 14 and verse number number 5. One person esteems one day is better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Christians don't seem, and never seem, to have been able to agree on absolutely everything. Uh, I think it's obvious to all of you, unless you're both blind and deaf, that I didn't start pastoring yesterday. I've pastored in four cities. One city church I pastored in, they put up a Christmas tree at Christmas time in the sanctuary and it didn't seem to be a problem at all. The next church thought that Christmas trees were idols and not a once, was a Christmas tree found in that building? And another church I pastored in had lots of Christmas trees. And the Sunday before Christmas, every year, Santa Claus came to the parking lot after church and ho ho his way through the parking lot giving candies to all the children. And every church had strong convictions about why they did things the way they did them. I'll make no comment except to say that the church that saw the least people come to Christ While we were there was the church that didn't allow Christmas trays. Married my wife. And we discovered that, man, we were raised both of us in Pentecostal evangelical homes. But we saw things quite differently. At least our parents did. I got a little glimpse of that when I visited Donna's family the Christmas before we got married. And my father-in-law made it very clear that there were no dice in his house and there were no cards in his house because dice and cards were not of God. I could live with that, although I acknowledge even to this day one of my favorite ways to spend an evening is to have a good game of rook. Every time he came to visit us, he stole our rook cards and we never saw them again. We bought a lot of set of rook cards in the last 40 plus years. Well, actually at one point we got smart and learned how to hide them. But interestingly, while we could not play cards or any game with dice while we visited them, I'm a 20 year old virgin and he asked if we'd like to play games and he brought out Twister. And uh, we enjoyed, my wife and I, twisting all over that twisted board night after night after night. Perfectly acceptable, a good game, a twister, but, 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 but don't bring cards into the house. Range of different perspectives on what is right, and what is wrong, what is permissible in the church, and what isn't permissible. On one end, you've got legalism, you've got the legalistic Lyles of the church. And on the other end, you've got licentiousness, licentious Lincolns, Where are we supposed to stand as a church? What's right? What's wrong? What's right? What can we do? What can't we do? Well, I was pondering that this week, and I thought maybe the best place to start is to examine if we can learn anything from Jesus. Can we learn anything from Jesus? Because Hebrews 4 verse 25 says about Jesus, and this is a good verse for you to put some stars beside in your Bible. Hebrews 4 verse 25, we, we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Our wonderful Lord, our Savior, the one whose death we remembered tonight as we partook of the bread and the cup together, lived amongst us Lived in this world for 33 years without sin. So we know if Jesus did it, and if we read the story in here, what he did was not sinful because Jesus did not sin. Are you with me? Thank you. Jesus did not sin, so if Jesus did it, we know it's not sin. So what can we learn about how we handle our own lives? Jude chapter 1. Jude only has one chapter. Jude verses 1 to 4. Let me read it to you. Second last book of the New Testament if you're trying to find it. One page book in most Bibles. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, half brother of Jesus Christ, brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father, preserved in Jesus Christ and called mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you out of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into this lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Denying God, denying Jesus, what were they doing? Turning the grace of God into... Lasciviousness. Now, what in the world is lasciviousness? Does anybody use lascivious in their discussions with anybody this week? Not really common word usage anymore, but uh, let's look at a definition of it from Revel a Bible Dictionary. Wanton, licentious. It means unrestrained greed, animal like indul- indulgence in any passionate desire. Jesus's gospel, the grace of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, does not include licentiousness or lasciviousness. Um, Look at that phrase at the end there, Jude uh, chapter 4 and a number of versions here. Um, Ungodly people who pervert God's grace into a license. Our oldest grandson has his driver's license. That gives him the right to drive across and around the cities of this street and this province and this nation. He's been after his grandmother to go for a ride with him, and she's been working really hard at finding excuses Because she raised three sons who, when they got their license, created nothing but headaches for us. When you became a Christian, you got a license, friends, but it was not a license unto lasciviousness or licentiousness. You don't pervert God's grace into a license to do whatever you want to do. Because Jesus is kind and wonderful and forgiving. Perverting God's grace into a license. Next version. That was the complete Jewish Bible. Uh, This is the expanded Bible, which is a new... uh, rendition of what other versions were called of the amplified have changed perverted distorted the grace of our god perverted distorted the gospel of the grace of god next version the message replaced the sheer grace of our god with sheer license just license do whatever you want do whatever you want another version New International Revised Version, uh, they misuse the grace of our God. The misuse of the grace of our God. Jesus was not licentious or lascivious. Jesus was not on that End of the extreme range of Christians' perspective of how you can live. That's not where Jesus was at all. So, was he legalistic? If he wasn't licentious, was he legalistic? Was he the other extreme? Well, let's look at a few stories. First one. Mark chapter 7, Pharisees are being hard on Jesus' disciples. They're a naughty group of guys. These naughty disciples didn't like the fact that the disciples didn't always wash their hands before din-din. My mom wasn't too fond of that either. But the Pharisees were saying, Jesus, you've got to get your disciples straightened out. They're not washing their hands before they eat. And he asked, they asked them, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders? Why aren't they doing what good church people do? Jesus said, you guys need to understand something. It's not all the outer appearance stuff that God's looking at. It's not really the stuff you let into your stomach that'll kill you either. It's the stuff you let into your heart. And verse number nine says, You Pharisees have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God to establish your own tradition. He says, we've got a problem in our religious culture. We've got a problem in our religious culture. We have a bunch of traditions, and, and boy, will we die for those traditions. We'll stand up for those traditions. We'll defend the traditions. As a matter of fact, I think I've spent more time in 46 years of ministry helping people uh, figure out what to do about the traditions they believed in than sorting out anything that was clearly written in the book. We argue and disagree about more of the white stuff on the pages than the black stuff. We argue about the stuff that we read between the lines on. And Jesus says, you Pharisees, you, you, you reject what God says, but you're really good at pursuing your traditions. Another, another story. Uh, in Jesus's life and ministry. Luke chapter 14, verses 1 to 3. It was a Sabbath, Saturday, their day of worship. Jesus went to dine at the house of a ruler, the Pharisees, and the Pharisees were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man there who had dropsy, paralyzed. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying... Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? Now, and I, I share this, this quote with you. Uh, next slide. The unanimous answer of the Pharisees would have been that healing on the Sabbath is allowed in the case of an Im- eminent, life-threatening illness, but is otherwise strictly forbidden. In other words, if the guy's gonna die today, we'll pray for him. But if he's not gonna die today, we're not gonna pray for him, that's a sin. And some paralysis is not something that you're gonna die from today, at least in their perspective in this story. And if you know the story, you know that Jesus came and prayed for the guy and the guy was healed and Pharisees weren't happy and decided that anybody who heals on the Sabbath should be killed and they began to arrange for his death. John chapter uh, 8. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst. They said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Law of Moses commanded us to stone such woman. What do you say? And Jesus wrote in the sand. And he said, he who is first without sin, throw the first stone. Nobody could throw a stone. We think that's a great story, but (laughs) do you know what the Pharisees saw? They saw a lawbreaker, because what does the law say? The law commanded us to stone such a woman. Jesus was willing to do things that people would kill him for. You see, because Jesus In Jesus' eyes, people mattered more than the rules. So, you know, some weeks are worse in a pastor's life than others' weeks, and this has not been the greatest week of my life. Not because I got bit by a wasp for the first time in my life, Uh, I'll recover from that. What's made this a difficult week for me is I recognize that Christians generally don't like the kind of teaching I'm giving this weekend. We're not good with nuance. We want yes and no. Yes or no, Pastor Con. Yes or no, Pastor? We don't like. Well, uh, maybe. Uh, but, but, uh, but, uh, well, depending if. We're not good with that kind of stuff. We want, yes, or no, but the truth, my friends, is that simple answers don't cut it in real life. And I would even go so far this evening as to suggest that simple answers is not what your Bible offers either. So how do we decide what to do? How do we decide uh, how to live? On the the left is licentiousness. and, And friends, I would suggest to you that as Christians, we never live a licentious lifestyle. We do not pursue the desires of the flesh. Now we fail, we stumble, we fall, but we quickly get out of there. We quickly get out of there. We repent. Fermented beverages, come back next week. But be absolutely clear that the scripture is real clear on drunkenness. Be absolutely clear that the Bible says the place for sex is in the marriage bed. be absolutely clear that God's word says we're supposed to pay our taxes. I mean, the book's clear. There's no place for licentiousness. But (laughs) it's also true that Jesus is not a legalist. As a matter of fact, we're memorizing some verse this week. This this may not even be an accident. Don't get entangled again in the how's the verse end? and the law don't get bondage to the law again so where is life lived friends the truth of the matter is the christian life is supposed to be lived in this messy gray area right in the middle that's where the christian life is lived. We're not licentious people. We're not legalists. We live in this area where yes and no is often not real, real clear. I remember distinctly sitting in the backyard on a Friday evening and mom and dad had decided we'd have a picnic in the backyard. And they're sitting and they were sitting around on a blanket in the backyard. Mom had made a good supper. And mom says something's like, sure is a lot of fish in the air. And dad said, it's Friday, hun. Catholics didn't eat meat. They ate fish on Fridays. And the area we were living in was a devout Catholic area. All supposed to eat fish on Fridays? Some would say yes. One of the uh, most interesting parts of ministering in India for me, and I love that country, was. They didn't let us wear our shoes into church. That wasn't so complicated on the way in. You took your shoes off. The problem was there were about 6,000 people at every meeting that I went to. And at the end, I had to find my two shoes in a pile of 12,000 shoes. But they felt strongly that when you enter into God's presence, you're standing on holy ground. And you wouldn't think of being in holy ground with your shoes on. Invited a young man to consider being a worship leader in one of the churches we pastored. He led worship in his bare feet after a service in which God manifested his presence, I think in a very significant way. I said, what's this about bare feet? He said, I believe the Lord has asked me to take my shoes off when I stand before him in worship. And the leadership of the church wouldn't let me hire him because He didn't wear shoes, and it's so disrespectful of God to be on the platform without shoes on. How do we navigate our way through the gray areas? And I could go on and on and on and on, and I could put another thousand things on that list. Well... Might be work to get to a 1,000, but I could add a lot more. What do we do? How do we navigate our way through this stuff? Well, come back next week and I'll tell you.